Janeki has started to bleed out his ears, and other fluids are also escaping out of his corpse. The boys, meanwhile, are out at the water well and washing basin. With his muzzle on the dirt, Dog lays beside Stanislaw, giving the boy comfort and moral support. While the eldest brother, Leshek, dripping sweat, struggles to bring up enough cold water fast enough to wash his brother's face and ease the molten marks that the dinner stew left on his face when all five gallons fell on him from their father's oblivious outburst and violent ignorance of action. Dog opens his mouth with a big yowl of a husky yawn to relieve some of the tension that is suffocating the three. Remember when Dog found that possum dead on the trail and brought it up to Janeki when he was selling them apples on the road? And that possum smelled so bad that the old lady barfed a bunch and said, Forget your crab apples! And she dry heaved all the way down the hill. Of course, remember that mightily, Stan. Now you just keep drinking the water, okay? And when you breathe, feel that breath. Feel that deep in your lungs to the bottoms, okay? And when you're done with them breaths, I want you to just try blowing your nose and seeing how that feels, okay? my hand there. Now that's your right hand grabbing my left hand and that's the towel. I want you to blow your nose into that. See if you can do something about your breathing, okay? Yes, I'm the ship. Under the weight of the moon, the yard and pump well are fully lit. An owl is heard and the house creaks as the wood cools with a moan. Dog lifts his head toward the house. The boys borrow a look toward the cabin, too. But Janeki, you sure he's not um, moving a, a hole? Fuck a skunk dead. Now shuts up or you're gonna look like shit. We don't fix this. But Janaki. sun set six hours ago and the rest area bathrooms were recently cleaned for the weekend and now are dry and they echo with their cold cement and broken stall doors Lucia appears in the doorway of the women's restroom, sincerely convinced her bladder is going to explode pee everywhere, and she is going to die. 
When she finally reaches a chilly toilet seat and relieves herself, While just outside, Mr. N casually leans upon the women's restroom doorframe, listening, one ear in to the tiny tinkle made by Lucia. Walking back to the car, Mr. N keeps his right hand on Lucia's lower back and steers her back to her mother's cream-colored wagon. With her securely placed in the back seat, Mr. N slides into the driver's seat. And he pulls a lunch pail from under the glove box. He takes off the lid and removes two pieces of mozzarella string cheese and two mango Maui Capri Suns. He hands them to her over the seat. Unquestioningly, she accepts them and begins to tear into the Capri Sun. Some dormant survival instincts are flickering inside her, telling her body to hydrate because this is going to be a long ride. But she has trouble getting the straw to puncture the top of the silver pouch. She's so exhausted that her tiny drink dilemma quickly grows from yellow to tear-filled red frustration. Give it here. Give it here. Without even looking into the back seat, Mr. N offers his hand back at her. He does. He then deftly stabs his own hole through the A on the label's logo and hands it back to her to slurp, and she does, in seconds. That's the last for a while. And she offers the other Capri Sun to the front seat, which he accepts and repeats the same puncture as before, deftly, and then hands back her drink and then starts the ignition. and he steers the car back onto the snow-littered highway, heading just northeast on Route 54. What's your name? Look at those Holsteins in the snow, Lucia. See how that is a lot of black and white on white and white? What's your name? You see that, Lucia? Sir. How you can barely make out the black and all that white. In fact, you might girl. not even be able to see Where's it. Where's my mom? But you know it's there, no? Did you hurt her? I see the cows. It's just going to be you and me for a long while. And if you're going to be a good girl, truly a good girl... One of the biggest rules is... Where's mommy? Lucia, I can't tell you that now because you're not a good girl yet. Where's mommy? Information 
Where's she now? And in order for me to feed you, you need to earn your meal. Do you understand? Where's she now? Well, can we go get her? They say there is no such thing as a free lunch. But they don't ask the vultures. <laughs> Brothers have established that Stan can breathe, but only through his right nostril. His left nose and left eye, and part of his right eyebrow, are now so seared by the molten stew that he may well scar, and it will leave him half-blinded. Lashak puts a fresh, cold cloth on his younger brother's forehead, and rests his hypervigilance a moment and breathes in the scene. There's a body, Janaki, their father bleeding out the back of his head. Lashak stands and walks towards the Raskolnikich family cabin to where their father's body lays. Dog stretches, sniffs at the snoozing Stanislaw, and follows Lashak back into their home. Once inside the door, they smell the shit from Janeki's pants, and the stew has begun to collect ants. Dog trots right on in and starts sniffing Janeki's face, gives it a lick, and tries to shake that salt from his tongue. Dog. The smell of his father's flatulence and the general cabin's neglect is a sobering punch to the young man's nose. He tucks his nose under his shirt front and tries to filter through the fabric the foulness of their father. Adding to the stench, the stew was left on the stove and never got properly tended to and is now burnt and caramelizing the cabin's walls brown with burnt food fumes. And there lay the pastoral patriarch of a long-forgotten Black River Falls family farm. Shek hesitantly grabs the ankles of his father's corpse and tries to drag him out the front door, ideally to the compost heap. But Janeki's weight makes for the dragging very unproductive, so the boy enlists the quilt soiled with the stew from Stan's face and lays it out beside his father's body. The eleven-year-old gets on his knees beside the corpse and rolls it over its side and wraps the quilt around the heap. Now the boy begins to drag the body by the shoulders and pulls with more discernible progress. Eventually, he gets the body past the main room's threshold, but there is a step with a slight lift, about two knuckles higher than the step below that the Shek neglects and trips backwards with the fresh dead body of his father falling atop him. Then, Janeki must have weighed 250 pounds, easy, and the weight was pinning down that poor boy, knocking the wind out of him. 
This makes Lyshek aware of all the sound and space around him, but his vision goes white. It whites out completely, and he feels as if he's going to faint and die there under his dead dad. Shuddering with fear and gasping for side breath, Lyshek is able to grab a hold of the cabin's pillar in the middle of the room and pry himself out from underneath. Still flushed with adrenaline, Lashak gets to his knees, his eyes tear-filled with rage. Once standing, he kicks the quilt-wrapped corpse, releasing years of mute fury. Fuck you, old man. You fucking fuck fuck. I hope you're in hell, you shitty old psycho asshole fuck. I hope you're peeing fire, and you have to drink that fire pee, and then pee fire again. And do that for infinity, you fuck! You fire-pee-drinking fuck! And that seems like the last signal of the last vigil of rage directed toward the quilt-wrapped heap of meat on the floor. When Lachette catches his breath, he turns round to find his brother Stanislaw up and on the porch with Dog, watching the corpse-kicking scene through the doorway. How long you been standing there? I saws you do what you just did, Stan. That man did more harm to the world Can than... I try? What? Kicking him? What? Kicking him? Can I? Uh, yeah. And without pleasure nor fear, Stanislaw hobbles up to his father's body. The man who just half-blinded him with a drunken delusional outburst and the boy kicks the heap where he thinks the head is. They stare at it in silence, and then Stan kicks the heap again. Dog hears something skittering outside and runs out after it when Stan finally pipes up to say, It doesn't make you feel much better. Nothing much never is going to make any of this feel better, brother. Blackfall's Legacy is a Korea production, written and performed by Jeremy Catterton, music and audio production by Nicole Tollefson. Blackfall's Legacy is produced in association with Elliot Eustace, Emily Maupin, Jeremy Maupin, and Brian McDonough. Thank you for your support, and if you enjoy your time with us, please leave a review of our work on iTunes and subscribe to never miss an episode. And also, you may want to consider visiting our Patreon page for the opportunity to become a monthly supporter and receive exclusive episodes, unique content, and other goodies to be had.